0: Joyful, joyful, we adore you, God of
1: glory, Lord of light. Angels lifting praise before you, sing throughout this holy night. In a manger lies a baby, child of Mary, son of God. Voices joined in joyful chorus, praise you for your gift of love. All your works declare your glory, all creation joins to sing. Praise resounds as earth rejoices in the birth of Christ the King. Shepherds kneel before the infant, trumpets sound and anthems raise. As with joy our hearts are
2: lifted, joined in wonder, love, and praise. This next song we're going to do, it may be a new one for you. Um, If you've not uh, followed much of Chris Tomlin over the last 10, 15 years, great worship artist and worship leader more than anything, but uh, he has a beautiful Christmas album out um, that is my go-to when I want just new um, versions of songs or even new songs that uh, you haven't heard that frames That beautiful night in such a way. And the song we're about to sing is going to kind of lead into where Pastor's message is tonight with the innkeepers. We're talking about that hallowed manger ground and what that meant. A king was born in a stable for animals. You know what's in a stable where animals are? I'll go to Narrowway. I'll perform at Narrowway. There's a lot of uh, stable animals, farm animals we have there. Trust me. I know what's in stables where animals are. It is not where you would think a baby would be born, much less the king of the world. But there he was, lying in that manger, and it became holy ground. Let's continue to worship. What hope we hold this starlit night.
0: A king king is born born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Our journey journey long, long, we seek the light that leads to the Hollywood major ground what fear we felt this silent age four hundred years can he be found but broken by the baby's cry rejoice in the hollowed
1: Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky, and stay by my cradle till morning. Stay close by me forever and love me. I pray. Bless all the dear children in Thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with.
3: go ahead and we'll uh, open up the altar for prayer as we sing this again. If you have a burden or if you have a need to bring to the altar this evening, uh, we're going to open it up for you. Father, we thank you so much for this evening and for this time to come to you and to bring our cares to your feet and just simply lay them there. God, I pray that you would be with each one that's at the altar right now, God, that you would touch them in a, in a special way this evening. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would continue to minister to us, uh, you know, dear Lord, uh, as we come to you tonight. You know, God, we pray that you would uh, listen and that you would that you would hear our request. Oh, dear heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, Amen. I can have the ushers to go ahead and to make their way forward. We missed it this morning. Uh, You know, there was a couple, I heard a couple, uh, you know, praising God whenever they were able to, uh, you know, put offering into the plate. So we need to be extra loud tonight. Uh, So if you have the opportunity to put into the altar or offering uh, you know just praise the Lord all right darling if you could lead us in prayer Amen. We have uh, been blessed with uh, good music all the way around. Amen. It is uh, wonderful to be, uh, you know, with y'all tonight, uh, and we will continue through the, uh, through the Christmas. Hanging on the front. Hanging on, brother, my friend. Look it, look it.
2: God's walking out your eyes, guys. Whew. All right.
3: Thank God, for a word of Amen. Amen. Whew. So, whenever we, we continue in, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, the innkeeper. And the thing about it is, is that whenever we look into the passage of scripture, there's really not that much that's written about the innkeeper. But yet there's a lot that we can, there's a lot that we can glean from the passage of scripture about the innkeeper. And some of the things that we automatically know or that we should automatically know about the innkeeper and who the innkeeper is, uh, you know, we know that the innkeeper is Jewish You might say, how do we know that the innkeeper is Jewish? Okay, well, he was in a Jewish town. And, uh, you know, so we get this, that in the town of Bethlehem, uh, you know, that we have a Jewish innkeeper. And this innkeeper was most probably, at this particular point in time, he was very happy. Right? After all, there was no vacancies. I mean, he was making money hand over fist because the census was coming to, you know, because everybody was coming back home, and nobody wanted to stay with the in-laws. They all wanted their own place to stay. He's making food. He's got to prepare all of this stuff, so he's most probably really busy. How many of us in this time of the year are not really busy? You know, there's you know, there's things one right after the other. Uh, you know, Peggy and I, we left from here from the uh, service this morning, and we went to the mall in Pineville to meet Andrew and his wife, our oldest son. And I got half a lunch. I got half a lunch. Uh, you know, I'm about to starve. Uh, you know, I you know, I was like, man, I'm like, I, you know, well, okay. It, I, but we're busy. I, you know, we got there. We sat down and we talked with Andrew and Sarah for a little bit. I, you know, and then The next thing I know, we're gone. Did not do a bit of shopping. I'm like, I still have Christmas presents to get. And we walked to the mall. We got something to eat. And we walked out of the mall. Can you believe, can you imagine the people that is in that mall I waited at least ten minutes to just simply place an order at McAllister's. You know, busy. I mean, it's you know, on and on and on. You got how many of you have at least one Christmas party to go to this week? How many of you have two Christmas parties to go to this week? If you're part of Larry's Sunday school class, you should be raising your hand. <laughs> Just making sure that y'all knew that there was. You know. really? The thing about it is, is that both of those parties happen the same night. So Larry's Sunday school party is going to be at uh, Pier 51 eating fish. And then we're going to get through eating fish. And we're going to Denise's house for dessert. Hey, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man so we're so we're busy at this particular time of the year what is something else that we know about or we can see in this particular passage of scripture about the innkeeper i think one of the things and it's you know to me it's possibly the most important thing that we can see with the innkeeper is is that we can see that he had compassion okay now you know we also see in this right here, and now, we assume that the innkeeper helped Joseph and Mary to find the place to live, or not to live, but to stay for the night. But Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture just tells us that they went to the innkeeper, and he said that you know that he didn't have any more room. And then the next thing we hear is that they're in the manger, or, or they're they're in the in the barn. And Jesus is being laid in the manger. Okay, so we assume, or we picture here that uh, you know that this innkeeper is Jewish. He's busy. He's happy, but he is compassionate because he saw someone that was in need, and he went above and beyond his particular call and helped them out. So we see that. So let's go to the scripture. Uh, we're looking at Luke chapter 2 and we're just simply going to verses 1 through 7. So Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 and I wanted to I wanted to surprise you, okay? Cuz we're going to read from the King James. Have mercy. Have mercy. We're going to fall we're going to fall over tonight. <laughs> but it tells us it says And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Okay. New King James. Okay. New King James. Okay. Verse uh, 2. This census first took place while Quilius was governor of Syria. So it was that while they were there, the days were complete for her, for her to deliver, and she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I would like for you to watch this.
4: Listen, if I'd known then what I know now, there would have been room in my inn. Oh, hey, I would have given up my own bed. But I didn't know. How could I know, right? Now, Bethlehem was so full of people. I mean, the government. They, they, you know, made everybody in the world go back to the hometown and register. You know, government has to have the money. Since nobody wants to stay with their in-laws, I'm full. I remember that day. We, um... We were full before dinner time, and now it's two, three hours after dinner when they show up. Talk about desperate. He, he was exhausted and scared, and she, oh, she was about to burst. And as they're approaching my place, I'm thinking in my head, I know what I'll say to them. I'll say, I'm sorry, we don't have room. But by the time they get there, he just stand for a minute, gather their thoughts. He looks down, he's thinking. I notice she winces ever so slightly in pain. And he looks at me and he says, please. That's all he said, please. Let me tell you a story. I'm five years old, right? I'm helping my mother set the table. I noticed that she has one too many plates. So I say to her, Ma, you got one too many plates. You know, and she says back to me, you never know who may show up. I look at her like, what? She walks over to me. She says, you never know who God may bring your way. You always make room. So... I look back at the couple, and I say to them, I don't know where we'll put you, but we'll make room for you. And we did. It wasn't the nicest room, but it's all I had to give them. Mom was right. You always make room.
3: Always make room. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about the shepherds. Uh, You know, but whenever we see this and we kind of get this understanding, uh, you know, it's the place where Jesus was born is a place that for us, if we study it and if we look at it, should really strike chords in our hearts as far as just simply the outright or the history that's there. There is a, there's a lot of speculation about this place where jesus was born i uh talking with my grandfather or not my grandfather i'm talking with my father-in-law um uh, you know thursday as uh, you know we were there and he tells me what he's been taught and what he's studied about the place where jesus was born and his thoughts and, uh, you know, goes in and it's it's more elaborate. Uh, you know, the place where Jesus was born is where the, uh, you know, the shepherds would come and give birth, uh, you know, to the sheep. But it's actually more of a two-story kind of an aspect where the priest would live in the top story and they would... Be watching out and looking out across the fields at the sheep. And, uh, you know, they would actually send, uh, you know, messages and they would send information out to the shepherds to bring in specific sheep because it was time for them to give birth. And being that it was above them or it was below, it was most probably a warm place. Whenever we also look into this and we see that the sheep that are being birthed in this place are the ones that will be sold for sacrifices and whenever we look at that we get this understanding that whenever that sheep was you know know, was whenever the sheep gave birth the lamb would then be wrapped in swaddling clothes and the lamb would be wrapped in swaddling clothes to protect it so that while it was still too young to really have its balance and be able to walk around, it wouldn't bump up against something and get a cut. And therefore, it would be uh, you know, imperfect and it wouldn't be able to be used for a sacrifice. So whenever the shepherds came in from the field, because, Jesus, you know, because the angel came and gave them the information... They would come in and they would see this baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and immediately it should bring to their mind the sheep as it was born to be given for sacrifice, how it would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Jesus was prepared for and prepared to be that final sacrifice from the beginning of his life from the way that he was born, from the place that he was born in, from the way that Mary treated him after that birth, that he was wrapped in those clothes to make sure that he stayed perfect. But see, Jesus was a little bit further than that because Jesus was born of a holy birth. So Jesus was full, but of course he was, he was divine in himself, He was God incarnate. So there was something special about him from the very beginning. But for those shepherds to be able to see this, they might not have thought about it that night. But can you imagine the thought process that would have gone through their minds 33 years later? whenever the baby that they saw wrapped in swaddling clothes was the sacrifice that was given for all mankind. Wow. So regardless if you're manger scene or where Jesus was born is this elaborate two-story place where the priests lived up front and they gave birth to the sheep uh, you know down below or whether it's a cave where they went in and uh, you know they had it it doesn't matter because Jesus Christ was prepared to be the sacrifice for the whole world from the moment he was conceived all the way through his birth all the way through the things that happened in his life they were all done to fulfill prophecy so that he would be, without a doubt, that final sacrifice that we all needed to have forgiveness of our sins. But we make these connections and we bring these things here. (laughs) If I had only known if I had only known that she was carrying the Christ child, I would have gave her my own bed. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? How many of y'all know the saying, uh, you know, if a bullfrog, uh, you know, had a machine gun, he wouldn't need a long tongue? That's a new one for you. It's not from around you. <laughs> There's a lot of things in our lives that we can look at and we can say, if I would have only known. Golfers, a mulligan, it's always better than the first shot. For y'all that don't know, I'm not even going to explain to you about what a mulligan is. There are so many things in our lives. If I would have only known, uh, you know, I think our government has gone down rabbit chases and have really gotten off the you know off the beaten path as far as what they're supposed to be doing because they're trying to look at things after the fact. Now that we have more information, why didn't you do this? Now that we have this information, why didn't you stop them and, and do this? Uh, you know, there was a year long investigation after 9 11, wasn't it? To see why in the world our government didn't know what they knew to stop this. Hindsight's 2020. If I would have only known that she was carrying the Messiah, I would have gave her my own bed. Later on in our lives, we say those words, If I would have only knew that he really had the best for me, I would have believed in him a whole lot longer. If I would have only knew that riding that bull, getting beat up and breaking arms and legs, that that it would cause me so much pain in my life today, I might not have done it. If I would have only knew that he was that drunk, I wouldn't have given him the key. See, there's so many things that we have that's in our lives that we really don't think about until after the fact. There are so many blessings that God gives us that we really don't think about it until after the fact. I... uh, I remember this, and I, I'm pretty sure that this will be etched in my memory for, for my entire life. My dad had a friend that he worked with called, uh, his name was Wallace Clayton. Now, Wallace, whenever I met him, uh, you know, had to be in his 60s. His wife was, uh, you know, she was injured or, you know, something. She, uh, you know, she couldn't get around all that good. Uh, You know, his daughter was, um, uh, you know, she had special needs, physical needs. And for some odd reason, he wanted to go to Alaska and do some fishing with one of his friends. Now, you have to remember, you know, I'm young, okay. This is in my junior, in between my junior and senior year in high school. And my dad comes to me and he goes, John, he goes, I, I, I have something that I need for you to do for me. I'm like, okay, what's that? I need you to drive Wallace and his family to Alaska so they can go fish it. Do what? I need you to drive them to, so they can go fishing. They have a motorhome. You're going to be able to camp out, and you'll be able to go fishing with them. It'll be a great time. Yes. I called up my girlfriend. I said, hey, I won't be able to spend the summer with you. How you like those apples? I'm like, thanks a lot, Dad. Let's go on this trip. And that first day, we made that first trip, so we pull out. We're coming through Louisiana. Uh, you know, we go over into Oklahoma, and then we spend the night. And we get up the next morning, and we're heading through Oklahoma and Nebraska, and we get into Nebraska. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's Nebraska first and then Oklahoma. I'm getting my geography. I I checked this out before I started telling this. So we went into Nebraska first. Peggy's shaking her head No. We went into Texas. We go into Texas. We spent the first night in Texas. Wow. Okay, we spent the first night in Texas. Yeah. Oh, man, so we spent the first night. This is etched in my brain. Not where we were, but just hang on for a minute, and you'll understand why it's etched in my brain. Okay, so we get and we stop the first night and we get up the next morning and we head out. And we're heading out across this and we, uh, you know, man, we had a blowout. I'm driving. I, I'm I'm sixteen and a half, maybe seventeen years of age, and we have a blowout, and I'm in this big motor home, man. I'm like, oh god, okay. I get it over to the side of the road. We change the we change the tire, so we head out, and we're going out again. We have another blowout, but this time it's on the back, so it's both tires because it was dualies. I Had both tires blew them out, man. Man, I pull over. I finally get it over to the side of the road, man, and we finally we get those. We actually had to have a tow truck to come. Now, Wallace was a little cheap because he didn't have the tow truck bring tires and put them on there for us. He just simply had the tow truck come and pick him up, take him to get the tires. They put the tires on the rim and brought them back so John can put them on the motorhome. (laughs) So you got that, right? So here I am, you know, in the second day of our trip, and I've already changed three tires on this thing and had blowouts. You know, So we get going down the road, and he's like, John, why don't you go ahead and just pull off over here, and we'll go ahead and replace the other, two, you know, the other three tires. I'm like, that might be a good idea. So we finally pulled off the road, and we changed those tires, and then we, uh, you know, so we spent the night there, and we get going on. Now, this one here, I know that we were in Oklahoma because we're driving through Oklahoma City on day three, rush hour traffic, transmission goes out. Whoo man, I, I'm going down there, rush hour traffic, all I have is first gear. Man, we're going about 10 miles an hour. There's no Google, so you can't type in and ask for, you know, for, you know, for a service station or something like that that's going to be able to fix the transmission. Okay, so after we finally pulled off, and it looked like there was a, you know, there was a place there. You know, we finally pulled off there, and and sure enough, we spent all day in that car dealership, them fixing that transmission. By the time we got back into that motorhome and we made it to the campsite, I, I was exhausted. You know, three days, you know, here we are, just three days into the trip. We got brand new tires and a brand new transmission. Whoo, man. I thought it was really bad because I'd been four days now without my girlfriend. No kiss, no phone call, nothing. I you know, I'm I'm like, Dad, great, this is a great and this is a great trip that you planned for me. Oh, but I know all of y'all have had trips that way right where one bad thing right after another just keeps piling on right so we're headed back we've gone up there to go fishing and and, and I got sick whenever we finally got to Alaska I you know smart me we we pulled off someplace in some campsite and there was like four feet of snow out there so I'm running around in snow in my short pants up in the mountains peaks Uh, well you know two or three days later I've got I've got a cold Uh, you know so how do I fish I fish from looking through the windows and stuff on that top bunk of the motor home and whenever I saw my rod doing like this I'd take off running But we're making our way back and we stop off to you know to see the Grand Canyon they actually had relatives that was close by there so we actually got to sleep in a bed and not in the motor home but the next morning we got up and there was no more gas in the in the motor home so they got to looking and stuff and and one of the blowouts that we had at the very first part of the trip, they think that it punctured the gas line on the motorhome. So whenever I finally got back home, two weeks late, mind you, I had no girlfriend. <laughs> so we can't all imagine... Just like Joseph and Mary, they had this rough trip. Everybody had already made it to Bethlehem. And here they come in, late. All the rooms are full. Joseph knowing that it's time for Mary to give birth. Now, Scripture doesn't say that he says that, but can you not imagine There are times in our lives, one bad thing right after another, one trouble right after another, and all we can muster is, God, please, God, please, please help me. Give me something. Give me something that I can hold on to. Joseph and Mary man please. please please sometimes please is the only thing that we can ever that we can imagine it's just please Struggle in life is real. Very seldom does life go the way that we actually plan it. And there's more difficulties than we could ever imagine and ever face. And we're like, please. But you know what? Sometimes please is all it takes. All we have to do is just simply to be broken. There's times that voice and that words just, they just won't come out. All we can do is cry. But God hears it. There's times that all we can do is just simply say, please. And God hears it and he knows exactly what we need. After all, we all need a Savior that He gave to us in Jesus Christ that came that night. Sometimes, please, is the only thing that we have to offer because we are absolutely positively broken. We're just broken. Please. Please. (laughs) I remember, you know, in these holiday seasons, a lot of memories come back to us, right? You know, I remember sitting around, or not actually sitting around the the table, but trying to get to be able to sit around the table. We normally had Christmas at my granny's house. Now, my granny, it was really strange because she had the smallest house from all my aunts and uncles, but we had to be at granny's house for Christmas. Now, granny did have, uh, you know, 154 acres that was theirs that we could go and play and hunt on but she had the smallest house and how many of you had to sit at the little kids table did y'all all all experience the little kids table Uh, you know and you could not wait to be able to make it to the big kids table right after all the big kids table was the closest to the food so you got more food. You're a big kid. You're next to the food. You're at the big table. Man, I couldn't wait to be able to get to the big kids table. Now you kind of have to figure and, and follow through, you know, uh, you know my mindset, okay? You know because here I am, uh, you know, I'm uh, you know younger than my brother but I'm bigger than my brother. Um of course I'm younger than my sister but I'm bigger than my sister. I'm bigger than all of my cousins, and I'm still sitting at the little kids' table. I'm like, really? I'm sitting at the little kids' table. I learned that the privilege of sitting at the big people's table is not only by age or by size. But it has a lot to do about maturity. Are you mature enough to sit at the big kids t- or the big people's table? As you can tell from my story, I was not. I think I had crayons next to my table or next to my plate whenever I was uh, 14 or 15 years of age. And I was still at the little kids' table. It, it it took me a while to to grab a hold of it to understand. You know, how many of you remember? Talk about wisdom. I wasn't that fast, but how many of you remember some of the things that your mom used to tell you? Those little. Tidbits of, of wisdom, mother's wisdom, right? Uh, you know, Facebook had one of those really good ones out, uh, you know, this week, uh, you know, had a belt sitting up on a shelf, uh, you know, instead of the elf sitting on a shelf. You know, we, we behaved because of the belt, not because of the elf. You remember those days, yes, yes. We we, we you know we kind of got that. Uh, you know we, we see that. Uh, you know i you know remember. Uh, you know mothers, our mothers' wisdom. Uh, you know some of the things that she said. I'm reading this here. I've already done that, didn't I? I did do that. I have this in there twice. Why? Because I said so. Yeah stop crying. How many of you have ever heard this one here? Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I'm right there. I got it. I got it. You know, stop crying, John, or I'll give you something to cry about. I kept on crying, so he gave me something to cry about. Then I really cried. You know, and then this one here, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm your mother, not your maid. How many of you have those? Have you ever gotten that? I still get it. I still get I even get it from my wife. I'm your wife, not your maid. She looks over on my side of the bed, and she goes, you know those aren't going to get washed sitting right there, don't you? you? know, So she was nice enough for me, and she brought me one of those uh, little racks that have those three bars on it so you can kind of hang your clothes over it. She looked at it a couple of days ago, and she goes, uh, that's not working, is it? Obviously, the answer was no, it's not. So let me go hang it up. But we remember those little words of wisdom that mom gives us. You know, he tells the story about making room. About his mother. You know, Advent is really about making room. We need to make room for Jesus Christ. Something for you in making room. See, the Israelites had been doing this for over a thousand years. Tradition tells us that in the Seder meal, the last meal that Jesus partook, the Lord's Supper, that they set an extra place at the table. And the extra place that they set at the table during the Seder meal was for Elijah. Stories go that whenever the feast was over with, that the mother would actually get up from the table and she would open up the door and they would all stand in anticipation of Elijah coming back. The cup that was at Elijah's table or at his place is the cup that Jesus used in introducing the new covenant. Because see, Elijah had already came again with John the Baptist. And now Jesus, the Messiah, was saying he's already here whenever he partook of that. So... Saving room or having an extra place set at the table, that wouldn't have been anything new for the Israelites. The innkeeper kind of takes it to another level in helping out Mary and Joseph and finding them someplace to be. Whenever Jesus showed up. He changed everything. You remember we talked about Mary. Whenever God and whenever Gabriel showed up in Mary's life. And she was willing to be the servant that she had said let it be. And the Holy Spirit came over and she, was, she became pregnant. Her life was never the same. Her life was never the same from the moment that that happened. From the moment that Jesus began to grow within her, her life would never be the same. Joseph, whenever Joseph heard Gabriel in his dream tell him that this child that is going to be born is a holy child and he will save The world you need to take him as your you need to take mary as your wife his life was never ever the same elizabeth and zacharias with the birth of john the knowledge that they had that mary was carrying the messiah Their life was never the same. The innkeeper. They're like, John, we don't really know. We do know that next week that the angel is going to tell the, uh, the shepherds that they need to go to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem they will find uh, you know, Jesus lying in a manger. And then from there, they were supposed to go and tell the world or tell everyone what the angels had told them about the Messiah being born. I bet you that innkeeper heard that message. And his life was never the same again. This evening, we hear the message. Yes, there's some funny stories in this. But you know what? We all have came to the point in time in our lives that all we can say is please. We're so exhausted and we're so worn out that we can't do anything. And God hears those cries. And he comes into our hearts and lives. And everything changes. Everything changes. The desires of the world, he helps us through them. Some of them, he just simply takes them away. You know, there's... There's countless stories of people that God has taken away addictions from them immediately. He can do it. We just have to ask. Nothing is the same or was the same since that night that Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We just need to remember that he has a life that is abundantly planned for us. Let's stand. I'm really not sure as far as where you are tonight you know, there might be someone here tonight that's at this point where Joseph and, and Mary were whenever they finally made it there. That they're just completely exhausted. And the only words that they can mutter out is, please. God's here. And if that's all that you can say, bring it to the altar. Because He knows exactly what it means. And you'll never be the same again you know the thing about it is is that doesn't necessarily have to do with whether you've ex- received him as your savior before or not because we all have struggles all the way through our lives so with every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to give you a moment to think. Where are you? Do you need a new and a fresh touch from the one that can change everything? Are you at the place? For the only words that you can speak is please. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're at that place that the only words that you can mutter out is please. If you can just simply slip your hand up. I see that. I see that. Are there others? How many of you are at the place in your life that you see that there's absolutely nothing the same as it was before? Raise your hand. I see that hand. I see it. Yes. Are there others? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for tonight. I thank you for the ones that raise their hand. I, you know, God, that's just simply exhausted, and all that they can say and the only words that they can mutter is just simply please. God, I know that you hear their cries. I know that you know what's on their heart, what's troubling them, what their struggle is. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would meet them right where they are tonight. And God, that you would give them courage and that you would give them strength today. God, I pray that you would hear their cries. God, I pray that you would give them the comfort and the confidence that you have heard their cries and God tonight I celebrate with the ones that raised their hands that said yes because of Jesus Christ nothing is the same in my life oh God I thank you so much for touching the lives of the people that are here God I pray that you'll continue to touch and continue to move and to continue continue to guide and direct all of our lives. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.